0: Real quick, I gotta let you in on a testing secret. With regulations and breaches on the rise, production data is no longer safe or legal for developers to use. And creating test data in-house is a complex chore that eats away valuable time. That's where Tonic comes in. They make it possible to create a true mirror of production by safely and realistically mimicking production data. So you can work on real product and steer clear of surprises at release time. Learn more at tonic.ai slash Codestory.
1: The question is, how do you have this scalability mindset? So we chose just right in the first place to build our architecture as a microservices. You know, it was hard at the beginning because it takes some time to get it right. Also, you need a lot of tooling to make it happen. And at the beginning, like folks would ask me, like, why wouldn't you just build a monolith. You know, it's easier. It takes you so far. But I knew that I'm making this investment for a rainy day. I knew that at some point, like, it will hit us. I'm Danielle Shawl and I'm the co-founder and CTO of Nylas. This
0: is Code Store. A podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. It takes six months moonlighting. There's
1: nothing at the back end.
0: Who share what it takes to change an industry.
1: I don't exactly know it what to do next. took many
0: goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. The company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a pain. Yes, we've been fighting it as an Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Michael. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really want it,
1: not just about technology.
0: All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart. And today, how Danielle Xiao is making a way for you to streamline your business cash ops powered by AI. (laughs) This episode is supported by Turso. Turso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Turso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at turso.tech/codestory. Turso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash Codestory. Danielle Sheyal was born and raised in Tel Aviv as an only child with a dog she dearly loved. She has always been passionate about building and creating things, often assembling and disassembling things in her home. She loves to travel and spent many years in Asia, Europe, and in the U.S. Outside of tech, she likes ceramics and reading, specifically biohacking, mindset books, or learning to become a better leader. When asked her favorite food, she says her mom's, who can cook anything well. Prior to her current startup, Danielle had to build homegrown solutions for financial workflows. Because back then, when she was at Funbox, software for these workflows didn't exist. Her and her co-founder clicked over the idea to build the software that she wished she had. This is the creation story of Nihilus.
1: So Nihilus is essentially a platform that helps finance teams to automate their workflows. Think of a company that has 100 employees, let's say, and has different subsidiary. They're located across different places in the globe. Part of the team is in Europe and part of it in Israel, and they have different banks accounts and different payment providers, and they serve customers in Asia, for instance. And now their kind of financial and their payment workflow and lifestyle is becoming very complicated. Nylos is helping those companies to basically gather all those, this information across different payment provider, processors, and banks getting insights and automate the workflows of the finance teams where they do every day or every week or at the end of the month when closing their books. And we build algorithms that take all the data and create, in a click of a button, all the reporting and all the data that financial teams and the company. My background was always financial technology. Prior to Nylos, I was working at a company called Funbox, which was doing SMB lending in the US. I started as an engineer and did my way up as a team lead, a group lead, and eventually as a software architect. And back then, we had to build everything by ourselves. Obviously, as a company that moves money as part of the product, we had a lot of complexity going on. There wasn't any software existing in this space that can help automate financial workflow. So i kind of now building the software i wish i had back in the days we had to build everything internally for our finance team to operate and obviously i had a whole roadmap of what we can build and now i'm making this roadmap come true and together with my co-founder daniel he came from paypal so it's another very famous big financial services company we're longtime friends and we kind of click over this idea we're finance team don't have the right tools to basically do their everyday job and we saw it closely in the companies we worked for more than a year ago we decided to kind of reunite and solve it for other companies as well
0: let's dive into the mvp then so that first version of the product you built how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life
1: it took us about six months to build it, but we did a year long of validation, I would say, just talking to customers, building, understanding what they need, like building the thesis behind it. So we make sure that we build the right thing. Obviously, we did some mistakes along the way, but we wanted to make sure that we are building the right tools and the right set of products that will help our customers with their day-to-day operations. And in order to do that we had to build a lot of integrations to different data sources right to this day we are connected to over 20,000 different banks across the globe either by API or SFTP or different types of methods, screen scraping, and we combine all of those and build the algorithms on top of that. But the basic layer that we built during our MVP was gathering those informations, building those data pipelines, building validations and data completeness tools uh, over the data. So we make sure we always give our customers data that is up to date, that is verified, that is validated, and it's also kind of helping them this workflow of gathering it across different uh, different banks
0: let's stay on the mvp so with any mvp you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around how you build the product technical debt feature limitation all the all those sorts of things you're alluding to some of those at a high level but dive into one or two that really stand out to you where you 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 had to make those decisions and trade-offs and specifically how do you cope with those decisions
1: So I think that the first decision that we do and as a company we stick with is always building an MVP of something. So we need to build the smallest unit possible for this to be valuable and only then improve on that. And I think for me, it's the hardest thing as a perfectionist, like not getting an integration, let's say, or a product or a feature to the finish line. But it helps a lot because you can take it to the customers and then get their feedback and understand if that's helpful or not. So it's a huge trade-off, right? Like not doing everything, you know, all the layers that you need, not finishing as you imagine the product or the feature to be. But on the other hand, it's a trade-off that kind of helps you make sure that you build the right set of features and the right set of tools, and you're building it correctly, right?
0: This episode is encrypted by Cipherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption-at-rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption-in-use with Cypherstash. CipherStash uses searchable encryption-in-use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With CipherStash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL-native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cipherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cipherstashcom codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real time, and data rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash code story. That's T R B L L E dot com slash code story. Okay, let's move forward then. So you've got your MVP, it's working, you're getting some traction, you're learning a ton. Tell me about how you progressed the product from there and matured it, right? So, what I'm looking for there, a bit to wrap that question in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is, how did you go about building your roadmap? And how did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Nihilus?
1: The first thing we always do is listen to our customers and what they need and what makes their life better and what will make their life better, obviously. So I think this is the first criteria to building our roadmap. Try to understand how we can improve on what we already build, how we can automate more. But then also, kind of how this integrates with the vision of Niles? now is a financial operations platform that wants to be the financial team cash co-pilot so we kind of want to be this tool where they go to every day and helps them with their operations so the question we ask ourselves every day is how can we become more of that vision how we can make more for our customers and I think this is how we Go and mature our products like we add layers that kind of cater to the stream or kind of cater to this vision and and we're making sure that we'll build it the right thing
0: i hear you saying we let's talk about team so tell me about how you built your team and what do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you
1: first i love my team that's the first thing and the second thing is that i had the luck to bring almost I think half of the team uh, are people that work with me in my previous job or my previous jobs and just follow me because they are all kind of passionate about the space so i think 99 percent of our team we're about 20 people now are coming from fintech and they all kind of are passionate about building those and doing those automations and they live and breathe and understand the needs and the problems and this is the most important thing for me as a founder to collect those people who share the same vision as I do. We have this culture of working hard but also celebrating our wins and we have like a very in-office culture so we got to the office, we meet every day. It's also kind of a trade-off we took because we could have, you know, higher globally you have a larger talent pool but we wanted to stay close to each other. We have this like brainstorm culture. We sit in a room, we take a whiteboard and the magic happens. And I think the most important thing for me is having the same the people on board and kind of share the same vision and ideas. And we do that by having those things, having those brainstorms and working hard towards our goal, but also celebrating every week we say, Who are the people that deserves, you know, kudos or high five or like, who are those team members that did exceptionally? And it's not just to, you know, celebrate uh, just the wins. It's also acknowledge the hard work that the team is putting into making it happen. And I think I wouldn't get so far without this exceptional team that we gather.
0: This episode was automatically optimized by CAST. If you run cloud native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast.ai can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast.ai is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. This episode is supported by Turso. Turso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vasell, edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too, in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Turso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. is lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash Code Story and get started today. That's T U R S O dot tech slash Code Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. Okay, let's flip to scalability. And this will be interesting given the, the type of industry you're serving. Did you build this to scale or with scale in mind from the very beginning? or is this something you're fighting or you had to fight as you grew and gained traction?
1: Our product is basically solving our customers' scalability problems, right? Like they are working with Excel or other tools that are not like meant to hold all, those informa- all that information or systems that, you know, you go to make a coffee when you refresh the page. So we had no choice, either than be something that is scalable but we had a lot of concerns. We need to take security in mind. Like you said, we are in a financial, uh, in the financial services space. So this is something that is top of mind for our customers. We had to make sure that the data that we're presenting to our customers is validated. So it's another step in the chain that takes time. And, you know, you add another feature and every feature or every layer or every step is kind of taking scalability down or taking performance down. And then the question is, How do you have this scalability mindset? So we chose just right in the first place to build our architecture as a microservices. And, you know, it was hard at the beginning because it takes some time to get it right. Also, you need a lot of tooling to make it happen. And at the beginning, like, folks would ask me, like, why wouldn't you just build a monolith? You know, it's easier. It takes you so far. But I knew that I'm making this investment for a rainy day. I know that at some point, if I'll build a monolith, or if the team would build this monolith, like it will hit us and we'll get those, you know, will hit this limitation of what the system can do. So we want to make sure that we have this mindset right at the beginning.
0: So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
1: Obviously the team, Um, and then the second thing is the product. And I would say the third thing would be the experience for our customers. Like to see our customers and their day-to-day operations and work is getting easier by the day. And every time we develop a new feature, like. It's something that changes the way they work and automate things for them. So I would say it's the magical triangle of having a good team, building the right product and having not just customers, but early adopters. I think that's something that is really important. And I'm not sure it's being like discussed much, but having people that support you and believe in your product, even if it's not what you want it to be or what they want it to be from day one, they share the vision that they understand why going to solve a lot of their problems and they can support and go through the hiccups or even go through times where it's not necessarily what they wanted or not necessarily what they need right now in order to help you and them in like, you know, a few months' time. So that's an important one.
0: Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
1: You know, it's uh, something that I would say a lot of sort of are doing at the beginning is, even though we did a lot of validation and a lot of, you know, discussing with our customers and understanding what they need, it's different than doing our user or customers or even just like general research and trying to sell their product. So when you try to sell the product, you actually understand like, will people pay for it? How much will they pay for it? So I think for us, just like not having this discussion early on and being in their research kind of space, I would say that's something that we learn very quickly to improve. Like having this discussion right on, like not just like how much you value that, but also will it really help you? Will you gonna use it on a day-to-day basis? Like how many hours a day will it save you? So all of those questions and being very mindful about the questions and about the research you're conducting with your customers. I would say those nuggets are the most important things when you're building the startups because it's all about learning, obviously. It's all about how fast can you learn, how quickly can you navigate when you already did a mistake? Can you, you know, think about it and do those this retrospective and learn from it in the future? So I think it's something that we adopt now and we do much better and hope that... You know we won't see more of those coming up in the future,
0: okay, let's switch to you, Daniel. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to, and why?
1: I would say the first one that comes to mind is my father, who always like pushed me into you know in schools or in when in my military service or even like in my early career, he always believed in me and tried to challenge me in doing more. I would say also the, the second person that comes to mind would be my first manager. He was just very big influence on me in a way that I had this vision of this you know young entrepreneur who is very successful, who can like lead an organization who share a vision with his co-founders and build a product from just like an idea that he had in mind. It was just something that was very, very excited for me. And I'm not sure he knows about this influence today, but that was something that really pushed me towards building Dallas.
0: Last question, Daniel. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. They can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
1: The first thing would be doing something that you're really passionate about. You really can see yourself solving for the long term because, you know, it's it's a long journey and it's a hard one. There are a lot of challenges and every day there is a challenge that you have to solve. and. You have to really be passionate not just about being a problem solver but also the space and the product you're building and obviously it changes but you need to like imagine yourself doing it for a long time and think to yourself like what would help me endure and that can be you know your passion to the product or your passion to the space or your co-founders or your team or your investors but you have to have something. You have to have a really good reason to endure. That's fantastic advice.
0: Well, Danielle, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Nilus.
1: Thank you, no. Much appreciated.
0: And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story.